The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two fantastic Marios. It's me, Laura Nash. It's a me, Shane. And it's a game we're playing this week. It's A Plumber for All Seasons. Uh, and you may not have heard of that, which is fine. I hadn't either until fairly recently. Uh, a Plumber for All Seasons is a Super Mario World ROM hack. And uh, this is something that came to us because basically Justin bugged us until we decided to play this. <laughs> yes, yes. Justin, my us. husband, has a he love for it. This. Indeed, yes. and we we love him for it, and, uh, and glad that he suggested this because it is something that's mm-hmm. sort of off the beaten path for us. But I am really, really glad we played it, and I think folks should be aware of this. Uh, it's cool. Um, so, Plumber for All Seasons is a ROM hack of Super Mario World. You all know what Super Mario World is. Super Mario, and so I'm going to tell you anyway. Super Mario World is the uh, the the first Mario game on the Super Nintendo. It's one of the greatest video games of all time. Nearly everyone has played it. It has been released a zillion times. If I swivel my chair around this room, I can see three different versions of Super Mario World on various shelves and stuff. This is a game that I have played start to finish at least twice in my life. And honestly, cumulatively, all the weird little bits and bobs that I've picked up and played um, probably probably 10 times if you counted them all. And it introduced Yoshi, the lovable dinosaur companion to Mario. And this was the one I had to go to my rich friend's house to play because my parents didn't believe in video games, but I would make excuses and be like, she'd be like, let's go swimming. And I was like, wouldn't you rather play the Yoshi game? (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, same here. I don't know how much we've talked about this on the show, but like, I don't think any of us had an SNES. Like my entire SNES experience is like, you know, post, uh, like well, like well into the emulation era. Like I think the first SNES game I ever played, I played on like a PowerBook G4. Like I, I never, I didn't have an SNES until like pretty recently. My my SNES was purchased on eBay in I don't know, man. When would that have been? Like less than ten years. And um, you know, I almost all of my SNES experiences via emulation. Um, this game is being developed. Before you bought that <laughs> on eBay. That's actually totally true. Yeah, this game. So we're talking about A Plumber for All Seasons, a ROM hack of Super Mario World uh, that was in development for like nearly 10 years, like a, a really long time. 2012 to 2021. Dang. It, it's an amazing project. And it really, is. before we get too far into that. um, So <sighs> Laura, do you want to tell us what a ROM hack is? Sure. Um. It is a fan-made, quote-unquote, patch on a game that uses the engine and recreates it. Uh, not necessarily recreating Super Mario World, but using the game engine and puts their own levels, um, in this case, character designs, everything, music, you name it, on top of it. So uh, this is a really vast world. People make whole games, and it's pretty cool. There's a really vibrant community. But the idea is that they turn Super Mario World into a sort of level maker engine 
and they make uh, games that are inspired by it and sometimes incredibly difficult breaking the idea of what the game is. Uh, this one is a very good normal difficulty one, which means it's a little harder than the base Super Mario World game, but it is still got all that like fan-made loving creation game on it. So it's a whole Super Mario game with the physics engine of Super Mario World. Yeah, this is this is what really really my in here because I have played other Super Mario World ROM hacks and um you know, I've played lots of ROM hacks of other games too, but most of the most of the ROM hacks that I played sort of fell into two camps. They were either the sort of thing where it was like, here's a weird little ROM hack that changes one tiny feature of a game. So it might be something like um, you know, tweaking the difficulty or replacing a character with a different character from a different game, you know, mm-hmm. little gimmicky stuff like that, which I'm not not poo-pooing that stuff. Like that stuff's great. I think the first one of those that I ever saw like made Mario black. And I was like, hey, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. He's got a fro. <laughs> that's Link great. is a woman. Like that kind Love of it. thing. Yeah. Right. And th- this was the first time that I ever visited smwcentral.net, which is where this file is hosted. Uh, so ROM hacking allows you to kind of create your own game by editing some base game. And so SMW, Super Mario World Central, is an entire website dedicated to hosting thousands of different hacks for Super Mario World, all variations on one game. Um, And this one's a complete overhaul uh, of that. Every single level is replaced, and it creates a a nearly wholly original uh, brand new game off of the off of the ROM of uh, the most popular platform of all time. Yeah. yeah, and this is a true labor of love. I mean, Justin, when I said, is there anything you want to make sure you say on the game? And he said, this game is better than platformers I've paid for. Yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. This yeah. is an incredibly well-designed game. And that's what's really surprised me about it. I have played other games that were like, you know, essentially like level packs for Super Mario World. Um, this one feels like more of a cohesive experience. It has a theme. It has its own original graphics and music. Uh, a lot of Super Mario, um, you know, ROM hacks uh, really are just sort of new level packs. Whereas, mm-hmm. and also there's there's a whole tradition in Super Mario ROM hacking. You, if you've ever watched like a GDQ, you may have seen things like Kaizo Mario. There's this whole idea of like Kaizo. It's I, I actually don't know the specific translation of it. I think it's essentially like in 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 um, modern indie game terminology, people call these things Masocore games. These are uh, the Kaizo Mario games are like ROM hacks of Super Mario to make them balls difficult right like to require like absolute incredible precision platforming and be able to showcase incredibly high level play yeah Um, kaizo is like the i did read up a little bit on this it's it means like rebuild and it's it's about precision crave i guess i misunderstood that one but yeah that's a it's there's this whole tradition of those i think it continues and is kind of even acknowledged by nintendo in stuff like the build your own Mario world game. What do they call those? Super Mario, Super Mario maker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maker. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I don't think you get Super Mario maker without the incredible, like multiple decades of innovation in the ROM hacking scene. And also like the Super Mario world ROM hacking scene has produced lots of tools. So like, even if you're not somebody who's willing to like wade into assembly code, now the person who made this game clearly did, they, they went above and beyond. But, um, uh, even if you're not, um, there are tools 
like how is it called like lunar something i'm forgetting the names of them now but i've, I've done some done a little looking over those things at, at one point or other there are tools where you can essentially just use a graphical tool to lay out a super mario level and then build your own super mario world rom hack and you know release it or even potentially play it on a real super nintendo it's an incredible scene this is a, so above and beyond. Um, I know there are probably other great Super Mario World ROM hacks that we don't know about or haven't played. But for me, this was a first in that it's it's so it feels so much like a complete game. Uh, it, it almost feels like an alternate history uh, game that would have released between Super Mario World and like Yoshi's Island. And it kind of splits the difference in a lot of ways um, in terms. So, it, you know, it, obviously it has the the gameplay of Super Mario World. It doesn't have the sort of bizarre uh, alternate version that uh, that like Yoshi's Island has, but it has a little bit of the Yoshi's Island um, splash. You know, Yoshi's Island uh, took things in a wild new direction. It had some additional hardware in the cartridge. And so it wasn't what most people are expecting from the game that would be the sequel to Super Mario World. It had, uh, you know, this cartoonish uh like um pencil sketch art style or crayon art style it had a different main character um it had uh all these like flashy things like uh sprite scaling and uh parallax and uh, other other like flashy stuff that weren't strictly possible in the original super mario world this game does some of those things even without being like you know even without having like a super fx chip in it like yoshi's island does it does amazing stuff like cool parallax effects in the background and um things that some of the bosses do things that you haven't seen before in the you know original super mario world so it really does sort of feel like this bizarre alternate history um super mario uh f like 4.5 it's really cool yeah i think something i really appreciated is that um uh w-i-e which stands for white yoshi egg aka eric kaiser um, said his design goal was to avoid frustration. And I think that that... <laughs> well, I have some, I have some levels oh, no, to no, tell no. him about then. <laughs> For people who are like, I'm going to play a ROM hack and I yes. know I'm going to like, I have entered into a more challenging territory. Like yeah. everything is so extreme. Like, can I design a game that's still, like it's hard, but it's not unfair. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I totally feel that. It's It's just a straight up, good ass Mario game. Yeah. So it feels like a hard Mario game, but it still mm -hmm. feels like a Mario game and not something on like something weird that the internet has made. Like it feels like a, an actual game, which is a very funny thing to say. And I, I those other games are completely legitimate. They just feel like hacks. And this feels like a thoughtful game. It has some places where it's very stylistically different from Mario, mm -hmm. though. And I don't just mean that he's overhauled basically all of the art. There's a ton of original art, even for kind of standard characters in this. Uh, there are a lot of things like, in particular, the style of the writing on the note blocks that you get is oh, much is more strange than, uh, than what you would see in classic Super Mario World. Well, I don't think he had any limitations in terms of, of uh, ROM size. One of the big limitations back in the early 90s was like, you know, they had a they had a hard cap on how many kilobytes they could fit on one of those cartridges. And, uh, you know, if they went over, well, you got to put a whole nother chip in there and you've just doubled the cost of your game. Um, this does not have that limitation. And uh, I didn't I didn't look to see how large the ROM file was here, but I guarantee you that it has got to be like double the size probably of, pretty uh, hefty. Of, of like the mainline Mario uh, ROM. So 
Oh, we've gotten all this way in and haven't talked about the central concept of the game. Right. Let's do that. Laura, please. A plumber for all um, seasons. Yes. A plumber for all season is a game where the worlds are seasons. So you are playing the same map in spring, summer, fall, winter. Um, and there's some more hidden in, but you go around the map to the same basic locations, but they are very different levels um, in the same location. Like you'll go to a field and the field in the spring is one thing. And then in the field in the summer, there's a, there's a sun throwing hay bales at you <laughs> and, you know, and you go to a forest and then one it's a, like a very springtime daisies type thing. And then another one, it's like a jungle cruise uh, with spiders and they're all themed around those seasons, but they, you're basically always like, Oh, cool. What is the ghost house going to do in fall? Cause it's Halloween answer is cool stuff. Um, <laughs> But like that's that's the the I, I don't want to call it a gimmick. It's the theme. Like yeah. that's the point of the game. It's like it's like a year of Mario, uh, and you get this like this season cycle. It's really great. I think the text as it loads in says a, a storyless year. You spend a storyless year with Mario, which it's it's nice to. I mean, the, the story of Mario was always paper thin anyway. Uh, hanging it on something that everyone experiences uh, is probably a good way to go. Yeah, there's no one stolen. You're just mm -hmm. living your life. No, there is no story. This is not. This is not a man for all seasons. Mario is not Sir Thomas More. Um, this is a. <laughs> but plumber what if for he was? Seasons. That's that's a, that's a terrible <laughs> hack. I would try to write. Yes, they should. My raw hack of this is going to be replacing all the all the blocks with summaries of of the the reign of Henry the Eighth. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it's uh, it's really just like the. We kind of need to talk through the seasons, but we should also say up front, like, I think this game is definitely within our wheelhouse in terms of time, but it's also a little difficult. And given the amount of time I had to play, I only played the first two seasons. So I've only mm -hmm. played the first two. You know, it's his divide. You know, there's spring, summer, you know, the sorry, seasons, fall, winter. They're they're in that order, um, in case you don't remember. <laughs> I thought this was very interesting <laughs> that they asked you right at the beginning. So what do you want to call it? Autumn or fall? Oh, that's yes. funny. I forgot about that. That's very funny. Uh, I, I chose autumn. Oh, I chose fall. You're pretentious. No, no. I thought it would be more fun. I just thought no, it would be joking. fun. I don't call it autumn. I just was like, ooh, if I have the choice. Yeah. Why not? Autumn. And you can at any point, just like you can move through the seasons at any point in the little season selector. Yeah. Once you've unlocked a season, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't jump ahead, but um, I really, really like that. Um, I like that, you know, it's, it's got a, it's got a world map that is, it's obviously like, it's not as fancy looking as the Yoshi's Island world map, but it's very reminiscent of that. You know, you've got this, the, instead of being the like involved, um, you know, mini like little map that you get in super Mario world, it's really just this like sky view of an Island, uh, seen in four different seasons with little dots on it. And, um, there are what is it like five or six uh like levels in each season or seven seven thank you um and then and, a hidden level and a star level yeah yeah so it's got it's got a lot of secrets and it tells you right up front there's a, a 
you know, one of these um, speech bubble blocks um, in maybe the first couple of levels that that really tries to tell you like, hey, if you if you see a red dot on the map, it means that there is a hidden exit and there might Thanks, be other. I remembered that from my childhood. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and I did not find that many secrets playing through this. I uh, I think, I, you know, if I it, this is the kind of game where it like most Mario games, it will kind of reward like going in and poking in various random weird places on the level because you might find additional exits to the level. It might unlock hidden or secret levels. There is that stuff here. Um, but I was kind of playing it straight, just kind of going one through the next, you know, one to the next. Um, and again, I only played the first two seasons, so I don't have yet much to say about fall or winter, but I loved the theming. Um, I especially loved the summer. Um but maybe we should kind of talk about like these in order and what what kinds of things we, yeah. you'd see in them. They get trickier as you go, but I think they get more inventive too. Like they're throwing more stuff at it, which I, I think is cool. But let's let's start off with spring. I actually really enjoyed spring, even though it was the most straightforward. Yeah, it was it was lovely. I thought um, it, it the the first thing that really struck me. I think Shane already mentioned this, but the first thing that really really surprised me was I forget. I think you see a Goomba. Uh, and you're like, that Goomba level. looks different. It's like, the Goomba looks different. What's, they changed the Goomba. The Goomba looks different. What's going on with the Goomba? It's it's totally redrawn. So the, ori- the actual Mario sprite is the original Super Mario World Mario sprite, which I think is good. I think, you know, if you redrew, like you can't, you can't improve perfection. Like, um, but the Goomba sprite was, you know, original for this game. I've never seen a ROM hack do that before. I'm sure there are some that like replaced Goombas with penises or something, but like just <laughs> redrawing it as, a, a different looking Goomba was very refreshing and cool. And they did the same thing for a lot of other familiar characters, all the turtles, they just sort of have a different look. Um, and it's cool. It's cool to see them look a little different in this. Um, and then uh, I really enjoyed the first ghost house. Um, yes. it, it was, it was just the, you know, the, visually, of course, everything looks a little different. The ghost house, it doesn't look like the traditional ghost house. It just sort of has, has a kind of a, a, a different vibe, but um, you know, ultimately it played kind of like a ghost house. It all just sort of felt naturally Super Mario worldy. What did surprise me was there is more of an effort or a, an emphasis on certain types of execution uh, that I wasn't used to doing in um, in original Super Mario World. Uh, they want to teach you to use every trick in the book that it used in like later harder things but aren't as needed in the base Super Mario. Like you would need it to get to cool, like to special things. But mm-hmm. like, um, you know, in Super Mario Odyssey, when they'd spend 10 minutes being like, here's all the extra tricks you can do with Cappy. And you're like, I'm literally never going to use these buttons because I'm a basic person. Yeah. This is like, oh, yes, you now need to use those skills. Um it's like, oh, that that like weird double throw that you can get used to get across wide gaps. What if there was a level that just ended in a wide gap before the the flag and forced like, you? And, you and this, that's it, the bud. spin jump. Like you gotta yeah. spin jump. In yeah, that game. was the main one here. Like I I literally got stuck in this game and had to look up a YouTube video for the for the boss of the spring zone um, mm-hmm. because it one hundred percent. Yeah, it's a really cool boss. It's. Uh, that's another thing is like, I, I don't think I've ever played a ROM hack that had totally new bosses with totally new boss behavior. It's not a spin on an existing boss. These are original bosses. I can't imagine how difficult that would have been to make. Um, Every boss is costume. Yeah, wild. Um, but yeah, the, the boss of the spring zone is a thwomp. Uh, 
with an original art, you know, a, a new cool looking thwomp um, that does its own, you know, little stomping and sliding side to side squashing moves, right? But in order to hurt it, you have to spin jump on top of its head, um, which gives you additional height to be able to go up to the top of the screen and grab some uh, turtle shells that are up there and throw them down at it. And that, first of all, is just a difficult thing to execute. But I literally hadn't done a spin jump in years, except maybe by accident. It's like a whole different button on the SNES mm-hmm. pad. Um, and like, I'm a two button guy on Super Mario World, you know, um, hold, run, push, jump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly always thought that the spin jump was a strange design choice for Super Mario World. I mean, they they made it very optional. I, mm-hmm. I yeah. played the hell out of the original Super Mario World over the course of many years, uh, while essentially never really mastering the spin jump and and not really needing it, to. Yeah, like, and I've watched people play kaiju levels, and the spin jump feels like a core mechanic yeah, to features them heavily. because <laughs> you were like trying to ride a saw across the screen by spin jumping across on top of a saw blade. Like it's, it's that kind of stuff. So I, I, I liked that this is like a titrated spin jump. Like you need to do it, but it's, you use it more and more through the game. But by the time you're using it a lot in fall or winter, you've like learned how to use that button. Cause agreed, like it does not feel natural for me to hit that a button. Yeah, and something about the timing of it, too. Like, you can't decide to spin once you're in the air. You have to jump that way. Beforehand. Yeah, and that ruined me constantly because I kept thinking, like, okay, I'm going to jump and then I'll spin. But no, that's not how Mario do. Um, He he spin jump or he jump regular. Um, You can't do both. And so I and and, and the arcs are different for the different jumps. Um, You I, I had difficulty like going from a run into a spin jump. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of little quirks about it. Um, it's just, it's just a very difficult thing for me to execute. And also just something that I'm not used to, despite having, you know, two decades of muscle memory with this game. Um, so I always thought it was really weird that like, Hey, if you touch a piranha plant, instant death. But what if you were spinning? What if, <laughs> what if you what just if you spin off their heads? Um, this you were doing gets a dorky little half as high jump uh, when you landed on it. Yes. This gets progressively funnier in later stages, including at some point, like the dumb look at like a bunch of dumb looking dolphins come swimming up and you I can like bop off the dolphins head. Like, yeah. So there's a lot of like increasingly funny things with the spin jump. Um, but it's like it. You're gonna learn. You're gonna have to have to learn it in spring, and then you're gonna need to use it more in summer. Um, it's definitely like counting on you learning how to spin jump over time, which I'm still like it, it's it's a hit or miss thing for me. But I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. Like I can feel myself getting better through the game, which is nice. Some things that made this feel like easier, real quick, is um, I think they are pretty good with the power ups. Um, I died a lot, but like also the power ups came pretty often mm-hmm. and the star coins stay collected. And if you run out of lives, you keep your checkpoints. I was happy yeah, really about nice. those things. When I noticed that you kept your checkpoints after 
uh, losing all your lives. That oh was, yeah, even after you lose your lives. Yeah, that that was that was superb. I I always hated the fact that you know you'd grind through the five lives it gives you on a continue, and lose your checkpoint and have to start the whole level over. Uh, not doing that is real nice. Ah. That said, the uh, distance between checkpoints feels longer in this than it did in the original Mario to me. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's just that it's um, like asking me to do some pretty tight platforming. I think there are definitely variable length levels. And I, I think some of the initial ones are longer. Like they feel like I, I was always like almost getting to the midpoint and dying. <laughs> I also want to just call out the soundtrack to this game, which is incredible. Um, there's a lot of really great music in this. The, the, the SNES sound chip is amazing. It's I, not to get too, too like technical and nerdy here for a minute, but I've always really loved the sound of the SNES in general. Um, the SNES has this sound chip that's like a Sony sound chip um, that uh, it's all sample based. So kind of like if you've ever had one of those old school like synthesizer keyboards where you could program in a sample of like a cat meowing and then you could play any note and it would go meow, 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 meow. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what the SNES sound chip is. It doesn't generate any tones the way that a lot of um, like, for example, the Sega Genesis, it's all F FM synth, um, which is like it's, it's basically just has like, you know, square waves and triangle waves and whatever. Right. It's all it's all these like generated tones, whereas the SNES is all synth sample audio. Um, and so uh, a ROM can load in sound fonts that have different sounds. So, you know, you can get these like, you know, you can get a slap bass or whatever by loading in a, a sound clip of a, essentially a, like a sample of a slap bass and, you know, going up and down the scales with it. Um, and so musicians making music for the SNES have a lot more leeway than they did with other other systems of the era. Um, but they're they still have that sort of like um, chiptune kind of feel to them because they are these like really it's 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 cool tech but it's also just like it's like a great way to produce this like very specific sound um this game has a bunch of original music i just looked up the uh the soundtrack on youtube um some kind soul has gone and made a uh, like an endless youtube video with all the tracks there's 26 tracks and they're not all by um by uh like W-Y-E or, you know, White Yoshi Egg guy, the, the the guy who made the music. I assume that he just, you know, talked to other people on the uh, in the Super Mario World um, uh, ROM hacking scene and got them to contribute music to the game. Uh, but there's like 26 tracks here. They're all amazing. I don't I hadn't gone through this to like there's one specific song that I really liked from the fifth level of the uh of the summer zone that was like jazzy in a way that i don't think i like i've never i would never have expected it as like a mario track um but it sounds awesome it rules <laughs> There's, there's, a, there's a lot of really great 
um, Super Mario-esque, but like more adventurous music here than you. And also just the fact that this is a Super Mario World ROM hack with its own 26 song soundtrack. Like, like original music here. It's incredible. So um, I, was, I was super, super impressed with it. Almost entirely custom graphics and also custom soundtrack. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth care. talking a little bit about the value of free games. Like mm -hmm. the, when you have games like this that are a pure labor, labor of love, uh, games like A Plumber for All Seasons sometimes surpass the value that you can get from a paid platformer in terms of quality, enjoyment, sometimes artistically. Um, now, they do that on the shoulders of the greatest game of all time. Um, we probably wouldn't be talking about this if it were a completely original work. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, it's it's incredible to see the passion that these developers bring to stuff like this. I am starting to do some research and reading about other popular ROM hacks. There are some crazy looking ones out there. But I mean, what do you, what do you think about uh, these kind of labor of love games? I, I mean, OK, first of all, he, he, we're, we're about to get into a section of the show that I'm going to entitle. Uh, if you're a cop, you have to tell me. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes, please. Um, if you're if you're a lawyer for Nintendo, please delete this podcast from your device. Um like I love the the I love this kind of thing, right? Like I love the community of, you know, people who are enthusiasts for like one specific game and push that game to its like wildest possible conclusions. I love I love game mods, I love all that stuff. That said, for me in my own particular way of playing, like it's actually kind of hard for me to get into this stuff. I'm not the kind of person who like perseverates on a single game for months or years. You know, I, this is the short game. I play a, a different game every week. I'm, I'm trying different new stuff all the time. Um, and while I know I love Super Mario World, uh, I'm not out there pouring through, um, you know, ROM hacking forums and keeping up to date on what the latest hacks are and whatever. So for me, this kind of stuff is like, a beautiful thing that's happening somewhere where I cannot and will never see until some gorgeous little gem like this bubbles up out of, of that like stew. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I have like a specific um, thing to say about it other than like, hell yeah, I'm glad that there are people out here doing this sort of thing. I'm glad they're doing this work. Um, and also uh, if you think that, that it's somehow wrong to to download a ROM of Super Mario World, go to hell. Um, <laughs> whatever, man. Well, um, I I think of this world very much through the lens of fan fiction, right? And that like there is a group of many, 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 many fics in fan fiction that are fix it fic, which is there's something wrong with the original, and I'm going to fix it, which is valid. But I tend to read more of the ones that are like. What if this was completely like shifted? What if this was different? What if these two properties came together? What if mm -hmm. what, what if, if Bowser and Mario came together? What if this thing <laughs> you thought was one way in the world and the canon is like now reimagined and you're seeing it this way? I'm currently actually reading a book called Longborn, which is a real novel, not a fanfic, but it is a fanfic, which is Pride and Prejudice, but it's just the servants. So huh. it's it's an entire book about the servants while Pride and Prejudice is going on. Huh. And I feel like this is that kind of version so, of a game. So what you're saying this is a this is a Super Mario what if they had weather AU. Well, it's like what if Nintendo had decided to do 
a season-based game. Like, yeah. what if this was the concept? Like, how faithful can I do in this engine that I know and love? Can I like can I make something that feels of the world, but is a completely different angle and has my spin on it? And so I think that's a really like some people are better adapters than original people. And I still think that's like a valid artistic thing. Um, this feels like taking a Lego kit and building something else out of it, but you can still see the DNA. And mm. that's like, that's a but, really, but this is on the level of this guy, like took his Legos, melted them down, made new molds and made new Legos out of them. Like it's, it's yes. so transformative. It is incredibly different, but it feels like it could stand beside it. And I think that's mm. a really interesting thing to do. Um, it's also like a banger, but I, I'm talking about like an artistic thing. Like I think there is like if if you love Mario and you were like, but I want to build my own version of a thwomp, a goomba. Uh, like what if there are like the penguins look like this? Like I want mm -hmm. my own style applied to it. Like it's a really cool concept, and I I think that is you can't do it legally. And it's kind of sad you can't because <laughs> it's really, really cool. Sad you can't. Like there's um, no way that this guy would have been able to, first of all, um, Super Mario Maker, like it's cool that they made that, but they like neutered it in every possible way. Like they didn't let you release your game. Like it, at first you could only- And I mean, they'll I, take I, down levels if they're not- they're, yeah, The if they're way not, you're supposed to make them. Right, yeah. If, they, if people, lots there's lots and lots of places where you can hear about like the weird history of Super Mario Maker and Nintendo's like seemingly- um, almost openly antagonistic relationship with its greatest fans via a property that seemed like it was there to serve them, but seems like maybe it actually wasn't. It, it is a whole weird history there. Like, but like you, you could never have done something like this via super Mario maker, right? There's no official channel to make the next great super Mario game. Um, but it's clearly a thing that some people had the time, dedication, um, talent, and energy to create. And the world is a better place that it, for having this sort of thing exist. Um, so, you know, God bless it and, you know, keep circulating the ROMs. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the process of being able to play this. Now seems like maybe a good time to talk about it. Yeah, that was a weird one for me. Uh, I played this on my Steam Deck, and I would say uh, I, I invested a significant chunk of my gaming time in getting up and running on it, uh, mainly because just I had never done anything quite like this before. I, I have some experience with emulators on a lot of different things. Uh, something told me that trying to get this working on the MiU Mini, which is the way I played Super Mario World last time, uh, wasn't necessarily going to work because it's. It did not work. For yeah, me. I can tell yeah. you that's definitely the case. Th this particular th this ROM hack is really like on the bleeding edge of. Yeah, Mario it, it uses World. like ROM a hacking. special chip or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't like work for me. Many. Yeah. So I, it, but I figured the uh, I figured the Steam Deck would be up to it, right? So I I installed a emulator on the Steam Deck, and then I went to I Googled. Um, you know the the name of this game and i downloaded it and i put the file in place and it didn't work uh yep. and it is because uh i well what is what's going on i put the bps file in exactly the right place and then i am like troubleshooting and i'm texting reagan and of course the answer is what i have is the patch file 
and not the game itself. You have to provide Shane, you your fool. Own you absolute nitwit, you buffoon. Ah, You've right, been fooled absolutely. by so, one of the classic blunders. So I went to the closet and I got out my copy of Super Mario World <laughs> and I <laughs> folded it six times and I jammed it into my uh, my Steam Deck and now I had my ROM. And mm-hmm. um, that's how you get a ROM, everybody. Yeah. And then I I tried a ROM editing look, look, tool. This is a this is a safe space, guys. And also, I already told all the cops to leave. Nintendo lawyers have already been required to delete this. We can talk about where ROMs come from. Mommy, daddy, where does ROMs come from? The internet. I Google searched Super Mario World ROM. And I I downloaded the first thing that I found on the internet, which was uh-huh. very easy to find, very quick to download. Very quick to find um, it. You can find and, it. And uh, yeah. And then I tried, I ended up having to use two different ROM hacking web-based tools. Uh, if you're trying this yourself, I, I recommend the one that's on the Super Mario uh, World Central.net website. Uh, that one worked great for me. They have a beautiful beginner's guide. If you go to smwcentral.net, right in the middle, it's like, hi, would you like to get started? Here's a beginner guide. Exactly awesome. what you need. Exactly. what The the fact that that site continues to live seems to rest primarily on the fact that they do not host the like 7kbps that is Super Mario mm-hmm. World. Uh, they host everything that goes on top of it. And yeah, so you you combine those, you do the patch and then I download the new output ROM. Uh, and then there you go. Now it's working. And uh, yeah, so fantastic. But that's a very different install process than anything else I've done on my Steam Deck. Uh, kind of cool. But yeah. yeah so uh, a couple quick things about that. Like, so yeah, if you haven't ever downloaded a ROM hack before, like that is the standard process. Uh, you know, a ROM hacker, obviously they're taking an original ROM, they're modifying it. Um, and they're you know releasing the result, but they can't for lots of different reasons um, release the original ROM. They're releasing a patch file, and the patch file is basically a you know a, a file that describes the changes to the original ROM, but doesn't include the actual code of the original ROM. You use that in combination. So in this case, take that BPS file, that ROM file, put them into a patching program. There's lots of ones you can download or run in your browser. Um, patch the ROM, and then you go. Um, but um, yeah, the other thing Shane mentioned this about like the like not being able to run this on the Miu Mini. I also tried that early on, and and did, that did not work. Um, this is one that really does rely on using like a a pretty sophisticated modern um, SNES emulator, which feels a little. Will silly it to actually say. run on a regular SNES? Like if you were to load if, it onto if, a, if it has a spe- if it has I think the SA one chip. I yeah. did not look this up ahead of time, but it, it, it the, some of them have the chip that makes them run better, and some of them the SA one chip is a chip that would be in the cartridge. So there's certain um, lots of cartridge, lots of uh, SNES games included special chips. Um, yeah, and there were. Um, uh, especially towards the end of the uh, the SNES's life cycle, um, you know, some of the more like complex or fancy games would include certain you know special chips. The SA one chip, for example, is the special chip that was used in games like um, Super Mario RPG um, or in getting a remake. Um, by the way, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Um, or there was uh, one of the one of the SNES Kirby games used the SA one chip. It was actually one of the more common special chips. Uh, it, it's not as fancy as something like the Super FX chip, which is essentially an entirely new 
console inside the cartridge. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the specifics, but um, there's actually a lot of really cool ROM hacks that are just there to add SA1 chip com- uh, features to existing games. Um, it's basically like a coprocessor. And um, the benefit that you get there is that there's a lot of SNES games that had a lot of slowdown. Um, so for example, like Gradius, really cool game. Um, uh, but on the SNES, uh, when there were a lot of bullets or, or ships on screen, it ran dog slow. It would You'd get these like really chuggy frame rates. And so clever ROM hackers have been taking this existing chip that's well emulated in SNES emulators, at least modern ones, and essentially like hacking it into uh, existing SNES games that have uh, slowdown issues and getting a result that you can run on real hardware if you have a ROM cart that can simulate an SA1 chip. So things like the FX pack um, or run in a modern emulator. Um, And then you get a game that runs at full speed with no slowdown because it's actually emulating a cartridge that never existed. I didn't have to do anything. I mean, once I had the patch stuck on the ROM, I opened up RetroArch, which is what I used on my desktop, turned on my... my old Xbox 360 controller and was like, <laughs> I'm off to the races. Like it, it does it for you. But like, yeah. if you're trying to do this on an actual piece of hardware, like you'll have to do a little bit of Googling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, a modern emulator will just like detect, Hey, this ROM has, uh, or is supposed to use an SA one chip and it will emulate that chip. So no big deal. Um, but that is where, like, if you're, if you're trying to run this on like, a um, like a, a lot of handheld emulators either don't emulate the SA one chip or do it slowly and you will get bad performance. So, oh, but like, what do you get for that? Besides like black getting taken care of? Um, there's some really ridiculous things they do with oh, art. Yeah. Um, there's a level in winter, um, that's the water level. And so you always start the water level on top and you can see in the background, there's these like beautiful parallax background where like you're moving at one rate and the background's moving at another. So it, it, there's some depth there. Um, and you're like, oh, beautiful. There's like, oh, an iced over lake. I've been at this lake before and now it's iced over. Cool. And you can see that the water's below the ice. And you think that's it. And then you have to jump up on some high platforms and the background tilts so you can see more of the ice. Awesome. And then you're like, wow, that's cool. The ice looks beautiful. And then later on in that level, you have to fall through the ice. Like you, I think like you make a penguin fall through or something, but you go underwater and you go down into the water level. And the, as you go down, it doesn't flatten the ice. It tilts it. So the ice is now tilted up and you can see the underside of the ice and i'm like ah (laughs) use that chip so that you could just do cool weird background effects like that must have taken ages and it was just so it looked cool in one level like there's stuff like that all through this game yeah it's incredible looking and there's other little touches too like um something that i thought was technically impressive was there's uh, in the summer level there's a uh there's a level where lakitu is in the background throwing um, hay bales towards <laughs> Just ch- the foreground. first level. Yeah. Yeah. And they do it. They do a really nice sprite scaling thing where like you can see it way in the background as a small little, little hay bale. And then it, you know, he throws it and it does a convincing little like uh, perspective thing. And then, you know, the, the hay bale will come down and kind of bounce and then fall off the screen. And you're meant to sort of, you know, use them as platforms kind of mid bounce, which is a really cool little um, like platforming challenge. Um, and I, I thought that was very impressive. I, I was like the, the, the scaling, the sort of convincing like background to foreground kind of ness of it. Um, 
Um, and also just like it was it was a kind of moving platform that I don't like that certainly Super Mario World has like platforms that fall out from under you, but this was its own kind of thing. They were like, this one can squash you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they would fall on you and squash <laughs> you too. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love that. There was, an, I mean, even right from the beginning, there are some things I don't think you would see uh, in the original game, but this graphic styles that are available there, like light rays coming through down from the above that are mm-hmm. fully transparent. They had a lot of fake transparency in games of this era. Uh, but I, I do... <laughs> I do think it's kind of funny that we're talking about this like it's a like a incredible uh, graphical achievement. Which, not saying that it's not, <laughs> but it, it it's we're we're it, taking a a little a little bit of a of a of a, a walk. It's a little better than a game from the nineties. Ooh, but you're right. Yeah, it, but it they're is. doing it's, it in yeah. the engine, and so we're that like, is, oh, you're yeah. doing all of this here. Like it's like when someone does a whole like beautiful portrait out of salt and pepper you're like holy right. cow <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the it, cool it thing about these impressive. rom hacks is they're pushing the envelope on what um you know can be done with ancient tech by today's yeah. standards i love it i feel and i i feel like in that way it's very um it's very in line with the nintendo philosophy you know nintendo's whole deal is often uh, uh like you know doing beautiful things with limited tech and uh and like this is, I feel like this is the most Nintendo ass Nintendo game I've played. That's not from Nintendo in a way. It's it's this is this is very um, Nintendo would be proud if they weren't lawyering up. There is a level in Fall slash Autumn uh, where leaves are falling from trees, and they are like a series of progressive platforms that you can use to move up as leaves are falling down from the trees. So it's using a lot of those like platform moving mechanics, but they're all slightly moving. And as they fall, they kind of ticks from side to side. So you're moving right and left as the platform is falling. And I was just like, man, this is such a good mechanic. Like Nintendo must be jealous. I hope they never play this game and see this guy into oblivion. Um, Cause it's such a good idea. I mean, and- the, the, the legality of this is, is, basically a settled matter like i i don't think there's ever been like a big rom hack lawsuit no but like you know the the legality of emulators themselves is well established at least in this country um the um uh the 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 illegality here or like the you know copyright you know questionableness is kind of all on the end user because you're providing the rom and essentially he's only providing the the patch patch is totally fine it's just the delta right it's just the changes and so Theoretically, everything that's in his ROM hack is original content. Mm -hmm. It's original to him. Um, And so, like, we can, you know, make our jokes about the, you know, I hope the Nintendo lawyers don't see this. And frankly, I hope the Nintendo lawyers don't see this because they, you know, they they kind of suck and they kind but of there's nothing wrong with this game existing. Yes, there's nothing wrong with it. It is only us playing it in ways. It is the users who are wrong. Yes. Um, Which is also to say that it's fine. Like I, these are streamed I, on Twitch all the time. Like this is a big community. This is mm-hmm. a known thing. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think that if, um, you know, if, if Nintendo were going to come down on super Mario world ROM hacks, they would have done it a decade ago. Like this yeah. is, yeah, this is, this is safe. Not you are safe you, to like, play this game. This guy is safe. I'm not worried that he's going to get his door knocked on. Guys, I don't feel as cool when you say things like these are cool and safe to play and not dangerous. <laughs> cool you can be a cool kid who likes to skateboard and play on the wild side. <laughs> 
Cooly cool. Um, let's see. Is there anything else to say about Super Mario World? Or, sorry, I was going to say Super Mario World, A Plumber for All Seasons. That is not the title. It is just A Plumber for All Seasons. There is no Mario in the title. Which, yeah, uh, I, I do want to give a little credit where credit's due. So I think Justin heard about this game because a Twitch streamer named Barbarous King um, who does a lot of really hard Super Mario World hacks. Like he definitely plays the Kaizo levels um, and does a lot of Mario Maker stuff. Um, did a guide video on like, so you're interested in this. Do not play the Kaizo levels. Do not buy hardware. Do not learn to swim by jumping in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> like here are some people who've done beautiful beginner friendly games where you're going to learn how to do some of the harder stuff like learn spin jump but that's attainable so like this was the number one recommendation from barbarous king so um then we went it's a, the it's a good and well-informed recommendation yeah so then he went and watched the trailer that. and was like holy cow this trailer looks awesome and if you have somehow gotten here and they're like i don't know if this game's for me watch the trailer mm-hmm. it's got some ram like irish jig in the background it's it rules um but um we will link the barbarous king video in the show notes because there's a bunch more recommendations if you're like i don't want to play this game even after everyone said it was good i want to go play a puzzle one i want to play a much harder one because i am a masochist like there's a lot of like he goes through one two three four five like seven to ten different ones and like why you would want to play one over the other. This one's the one he's like, everyone just go play this one. The rest of them were like, play this. If you want to learn the physics engine or not spin jump, play this one. If you want uh, tougher puzzles, play this. If you want to see someone kind of break things. I'm um, looking over the list here. And one of these ROM hacks is called nachos and fried Oreos. And I yes. don't know anything else about it, but now I'm hungry. Yes. Nachos and fried Oreos. Um, and another one's called stick mice in my head and then beat my head with a hammer and then let them back out. Followed by the sequel. So two mice walk into a bar. Okay. Justin played both of those and actually really thinks they're great. So awesome. Okay. <laughs> Go great. figure. I, I, I love the energy. I love it. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, if you want to play this game, uh, and you should, it's great. And you can do it for free. Um, because it is totally always le- legal and ethical to download a ROM. Um, you should download a copy of Super Mario World and use a patch file to do that. We will have links in the show notes to everything except for the ROM file. Um, oh, I have one more thing to yell about. Oh, yes. I just want to say the seagulls are the funniest thing on the planet. Oh, I love the seagulls. There are seagulls that fly in and swoop down and like will kill you, but you can jump on them and then they just stop flapping and fall down to the ground. And it is the funniest thing. Um, I kept trying to do like acrobatic jumps off of them and I never succeeded at anything cool. I'm sure there's like secrets you can get to if you like spin jump off of the seagulls at just the right moment. And I never got... And I only ever died doing that. I managed to jump off of them, hit a question mark block and get an extra life. And I was like, I am the coolest person on the planet. According to one of the question blocks in this, um, something interesting happens if you get 99 lives. Um, And I would love to know what that is. Ike, 30 second spoiler alert. You can change your clothes. Oh, that's so fun. New outfits. I thought maybe there was something like that because the the title screen has um, four Marios in seasonal outfits. And mm-hmm. I, I kept expecting to get a seasonal outfit. 
uh, but they were not there. But yeah, that makes sense. That's that's worth striving for. That's how you get your seasonal costume changes, including oh, the Santa so cool. suit, which is adorable. Oh, that's so cute and cool. Aww. I love dressing up Mario. I I am uh, like I I don't I don't do like um, character creators in that way. I don't love like playing dress up with. I don't you know I don't ever really played The Sims. I don't really care what my armor looks like in games. We are so different, you and I, Reagan. But man, if you let me put Mario in a cute little outfit, like. I love to dress up the little plumber boy and and there is nothing better in the world than the cat Mario or B Mario. Those are my two faves. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, a Santa suits also, it's fine. He's no cat Mario. But there's, you can also get like, I mean, mm. the, the outfits are very cute on the, the, the title screen and they're all doing a little peace sign. Love it. Good stuff. Absolutely love it. Well, this game is great. Um, again, you can play it for free. Um, uh, none of us, I believe, finished it for this episode, um, but I don't believe it's long enough to uh, to, to to be over our limit. Like, no, you, it's you definitely should be not. Able, you should be able to complete. It's it's significantly shorter than original Super Mario World. Original Super Mario World had like ninety nine exits and like some hidden ones as well. So there's like one hundred and nine or something like that. Um, this is thirty seven levels yeah. and forty one exits. So yeah. And- so, and a lot of them are shorter. Yeah, so definitely condensed. You can definitely finish this. If you've played Super Mario World, you're already like familiar enough to get started right away. Um, and I'll have links to all the most important stuff in the uh, in the show notes, including links to download the patch file, links to an online uh, ROM patcher, and some instructions if you want to do that. Um, uh, links, to, I, I don't know, I guess I'll probably try to put a link to an emulator, but really it's going to depend on your, you know, your device or whatever. Um, little side note, by the way, I, like Shane and I both played this on, uh, on the Steam Deck, um, and I'll drop a quick suggestion to folks for how to, how to get set up on the Steam Deck. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to install emulators on the Steam Deck, um, but what I've really, really liked a lot is something called Retro Deck. Um, and if you're, if you happen to be a Steam Deck user, it's pretty easy to set up. Yeah, go to I think it's retrodeck.com or retrodeck.net. If you if you Google that, you'll find it. There's there's another thing called Emudeck that's a little more popular, but frankly, I think it's kind of like um, it, it just a, it's just a script that like downloads a bunch of crap onto your Steam Deck. Um, uh, Retrodeck is I think a lot a lot easier to set up, and it's all very self contained. So like you can uninstall it, and it removes everything. Um, it's a, it's all one thing that can be installed or uninstalled, um, and it's great. So if you want a really easy way to get like a nice setup with multiple emulators and a consistent like UI and like well done pre-selected hotkeys that you can do and all that, like check it out. The, the main thing that I um, really enjoyed about it for this was that it comes pre-set up with Rewind enabled uh, for SNES at least. Um, and so uh, there were definitely times in this game where I died in some cheap, dumb way. And I, I the first did not figure out how to trigger that. Uh, I'll, ah. I'll take this offline, but you need to tell me. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can, you can do rewind on this. You can turn every game you play into braid if you want. It's actually really great. So, um, so yeah, loved that. Um, do we have time to talk about what's making us happy this week? Sure. Me too. Yeah. All right. Well then, um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? Uh, so, I have been uh, watching the Psychonauts documentary on Psychonauts 2, The Making of, despite not having played Psychonauts 2. I keep intending to. It's a long game. I haven't gotten to it. But uh, we are maybe eight episodes in. I think there's over 30. It's a long, I think it's 22 hours total. We're watching maybe one or two a night. Um, It is 
making me have all sorts of feelings. It's making me very happy. I'm so happy this exists, but it's also making me anxious. And like, I feel so bad for these people. And then I feel so good for these people. Like, it is the most vulnerable look at a creative process I've seen in a long time. And you see why people follow Tim Schafer, but you also love the individuals on the teams. And like, early on, a theme is the Bay Area is so expensive that they're losing people because they need to move out of the Bay Area because now they're older and they have families and they've been with the company for 15, 16 years, but they also now have three kids and they can't afford the Bay Area and they need to take a job elsewhere. So like, what do you do when people who are core to your company can't afford to live in San Francisco? Um, Like very moving. There are different approaches to different people. Some can work remote, some can't like, and that's just a beginning theme. Um, I've watched through the Kickstarter launch. They made the money. They've um, they've started building the game with concept art. And like, mm. I know that it's... It, it's super long, right? Like how many episodes? It's super long. I mean, I'm currently in 2016. Um, the game wasn't released until after the pandemic. Like the, the game was, they were still developing during the pandemic. So like at the E3 where they're demoing the VR game and like talk and announced that they're doing the Kickstarter, they're demoing Breath of the Wild. Oh, man. Um, And it is just like incredible that um, there's so much creativity and good ideas, but it's also about like how a team tries to work together. And I know there's a lot of, I'm like lightly spoiled on some things that happen later, but like it seems like a company story. I mean, at the end of this, like, Double Fine gets acquired by Microsoft. I know this because that's like spoiled by the gaming industry news. At some point in this documentary, they're going to cover that. And it might be in 15 hours. But at this point, I'm going to be incredibly attached to every employee there. And I'm going to be very worried for them. Like, But it's it's one thing to know that from an article. And it's another thing to see it. And the documentary has everybody. Um the one thing I the thing that's making me most happy about it though it's not its existence it's the the way it's been cut. Every episode is one thing and it's variable length. So if they're just covering how to set up a Kickstarter, it's not a Kickstarter. It's a different like fig or some kind of crowdfunding. But like how you do a crowdfunding campaign, that might be a thirty minute episode. But an episode on we have brought in the head level designer or head designer from Bioshock 2 and now that guy has to learn how to work with Tim that might be a 50 minute episode right <laughs> like they know how to like just do the thing you need and then like end it in a satisfying place they're not trying to do it made for TV so I think that's what's making it work the best is that I can look at the runtime be like 22 minutes get a story I, I have a promise of this will be on this one person and their journey. And I don't have to worry that like, there's not an ending. Like it feels like a very continuous story, like good chapters make me so happy. Cause how many TV shows just end with like a, to be continued, like they never to be continued. There are no cliffhangers. That's at least it's really cool. Cause I, I, the yeah, thing I was saying. most concerned about with hearing about this was, you know, it sounds cool that like, Oh wow. I can watch this. Like, 48 hour long uh you know epic documentary series about uh, the creation of a game that i haven't played and i'm not sure i ever actually will um uh, you like, don't need to 
Right. That's but it's it's about a team that I'm interested in and like there's a lot of interesting things about it. I know that it's from a bunch of documentarians that are really good at this at this thing. Um but I was worried about the pace because it's like or like the you know, so it's good to hear that it's like like well paced and well like well executed because I was like, I don't know if I can sit through uh watching like I don't know, a recorded Zoom meeting or something. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? The the Zoom calls are short and it's like sometimes the point of the Zoom call is we are doing a Zoom call and we're not used to working with this person remotely. And sometimes it is just like a person on a call and it ends. Like it, mm-hmm. they're very careful about like why they're including X footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am happy because like some of the company rituals are being shown and I just know this is going to be like a recurring thing. And they've got like a the two-headed doll from the logo and so people will be like, I appreciate like the person who got it last week, like – hands off and be like, this week I appreciate this person. And then everyone like hands the doll and you get the doll at your desk for a week. And oh. like, that's already been a recurring theme. And I'm like, this is going to be like tracking the doll is going to be a thing I can do for the whole season. Like it's like that will fit. Um, but I don't have to worry about like not remembering who people are from episode to episode. They're going to remind me. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm currently going like maybe a week between episodes or maybe two or three days. I feel like I could take two months off and I could start the next episode and I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. That whole thing's on YouTube too, right? It's like- That's what I'm watching it on. Yeah. Nice. It, okay. The whole thing's on YouTube 4k and there's captions. Nice. And there's also, um, uh, special, uh, the description captions are also an option. Oh, good. So, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've been meaning to at least watch an episode of it. I don't know if I'll ever like have time to like wade through the entire thing because it does seem like it's such an epic, but like it seems like a, a really interesting document of like, here's the entire process of the, of game development. And, and, you know, Tim Schafer's fun and funny. I, I think it seems like a, like a, a fun thing to watch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a really, um, we, unlike other podcasts, we were not paid to say that I like this. Um, if you want to pay us to say that we should watch this, um, feel free, double fine. But, um, I just heard it was good and started watching it. And I was like, oh yeah, like it does make me anxious, but I'm weirdly also using stuff at it at work, um, which makes me feel mm. bad, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's, one other thing when then I'll let other folks say is um, it, it's been interesting, the dynamics, because like one case, there is a young girl woman who started as an intern who is coming up with all these creative ideas. And she's allowed to come with other established concept artists who worked on the first Psychonauts in mm. the meeting. And she's like, I am a terrible artist compared to these people. And they have better ideas because they know Psychonauts better. And I am an imposter. And everyone else in the room is going, oh, it's so cool. We have Emily. We've never had a woman in this room. She's coming up with completely different ideas. She's brilliant. Like, her ideas are fresh. Like, who cares if she just does sketches? Like, Emily is such a good idea thing. And she's sitting there going, I have imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. And I'm like, this is the clearest I've ever seen. Like, I want to take this and show it to people at work and be like, this is you. This is you. (laughs) Like, you are doing this to people I see. Please do better um, because they also don't tell Emily how good her ideas are because they think she knows. And I'm like, I can see this. Everyone thinks they're doing the right thing in this room. And the documentary people are just filming it. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. I might have a bunch more feelings. But right now, my feeling is happy. 
Well, um, I, I have a quick recommendation this week. Um, I, uh, I was looking for another audiobook and, um, uh, just, you know, scrolling through the Goodreads and I've ended up picking up an audiobook series that I have seen mentioned a whole bunch of times over the years, but had a goofy enough premise and title that I never kind of like went for it and I had no better options. So I went for it and mm-hmm. I've been really liking it. Um, so I'm listening to the audiobooks of the Bobiverse books uh, by Dennis E. Taylor. This is a science fiction series. Um, the first book is called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. Hmm. Um, and the premise is that a guy who's a, um, obviously it's Dennis E. Taylor with a different name, um, but it's a, a guy who's like a computer programmer and, you know, general sci-fi nerd kind of guy, um, uh, sells his company and has just become very rich. He's just signed uh, signed up for uh, cryogenics thing because why not when you're rich you know have them freeze my corpse and then he gets hit by a car or something and and dies suddenly in the 20th century more than more than 100 years later um you know the earth has gone through many weird uh political and uh, and and you know and other catastrophes and his uh brain is de-iced uh and scanned and used as the controlling ai uh for a space probe uh, a von, von Neumann probe, which is the concept that like we would send out space probes that are AI controlled and that can build new probes um, when they get where they're going. So the the original intent is that they're going to take Bob's brain, stick it in uh, in a spacecraft and send it out into the universe to spread and make more bobs uh, with the hope that they would ultimately find a, uh, um, a colonization target um so that humans can escape the quickly worsening earth um and then you know the 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 story of the of the books is very it's 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 all told from the perspective of bob but it's not just one bob because very quickly bob starts making more bobs mm-hmm. and um and so it's the it's it it's like a whole race of like kind of weird dudes. All of the bobs are a little different, right? They're they're you know there's not a perfect copy every time. Different slight variations on Bob's personality, but they're all essentially Bob. Um, and uh, it's 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 just a kind of a cool space opera thing where instead of being about people, it's uh, all about Bob. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, it, it's got uh, it's got like long term storytelling. You know, like uh, at least very early in the in the books, there's no faster than light travel. There's no you know faster than light communications. Everything is happening on sort of uh, you know uh, light speed, like sub light speed time scales. Some of that changes a little later because you know plot. Um, but it's uh, it's good. There's four books in this series. The audiobooks are good. The guy doing the doing the reading of the audiobooks, you know, he sounds like you would expect Bob to sound. Um, so I, I, I've been enjoying them. Uh, if and they're not they're not as goofy as they sound. Like they they're as, they're goofy, right? It's like guy who you know n- names all the planets he comes across after you know Star Trek planets, right? Because he's he's, he's that kind of nerd. Um, but also a lot of interesting ideas about, you know, how do you stay sane as a computer intelligence in a disembodied space probe um, and so on. Like 
like hard sci-fi, but also goofy sci-fi. It's an interesting balance. Um, so I've been really liking them. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm not going to give them like a five out of five stars or whatever, but on, on my Goodreads profile, but, uh, but they're fun. And I'm, I'm only in the middle of the second of four books at the moment, but, uh, I'm enjoying them. So I thought I'd recommend, um, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Well, I got a short one, but, uh, literary much like yours. Um, there is the, the results are out for a contest called the little Litton contest. Um, Hmm which is the uh, there's actually more than one contest of this nature at this point, but it is a it's a contest for terrible first lines for novels. And awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, they do this every year. People submit uh, terrible first lines and they, they the ones that are are chosen for for feature have a excellent combination of um, Seeming very realistic, uh, very very high verisimilitude, uh, but also being absolutely awful writing. And I I think the only way to really celebrate it is to give you some of the some of the examples that have uh, been featured or, or won this year. The winning Please. line is the sorrowful sun sank into the tears that were the waves, and Sammy began to cry a bit. Oh no. Um, I like this one very much. He wrote his name in the wet concrete, his finger, the pen, his arm, the pen, and his body, the pen holder. (laughs) (laughs) It was while living in New York that she observed a beam of light coming in her bedroom window at age five and knew that art was her calling. (laughs) Oh, dear. It reminds me of the contest for bad sex scenes too. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Similar concept. Uh, I, 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 there's a lot that they feature here. There's certainly no shortage of these that everyone will find uh, their own favorites. I'll skip the ones about penises. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, this one's only tangentially. So my life exploded <laughs> on the day I found my wife galloping like the fifth horseman of the apocalypse, cuckoldery upon her fateful steed, my brother's manhood. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Only tangentially. Thank you, Shane. Uh, yes, my, the last one there. I'll give you is Detective okay. Horn took a pensive drag from his vape pen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh no. A lot of oh, good ones God. here. Vape um, pens. I'll send the link uh, so we can put that in the show notes and you can be aghast at some of these as well. Thank Thank you, you, Shane. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm, shortgame.fm. That's the site where you can find all the links to all the stuff. Uh, A link to, for example, uh, our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the short game, which is the way that you can support the show. We've had some new patrons lately. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, patrons. Um, And uh, let's see, uh, if you are a patron of the show at any level, uh, then you get access to our Discord community, which is where we talk about the show. We talk about uh, the games that we're playing and what's coming up on the show. Uh, we talk about all sorts of other great stuff. Uh, maybe you can come and share the worst first line of your novel that you've been working on uh, with us. We would love to hear that. Um, and let's see, you can find me on Mastodon at Reagan, R-A-Y-G-A-N, at bird.rodeo. 
Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me lurking on Mastodon and not writing much. Laura J. Nash at Bird.Rodeo. And Shane, where can people find you? Another murder. I hate these crimes, said Inspector Jack Slatton. He hated them even more than he hated other crimes. <laughs> you can find me on Mastodon uh, at uh, 8BitShane at mstdn.social. And listeners, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.